welcome to this week's A Photographic Life and episode four of The Conversation, in which Bill Shapiro and I talk things photography in a continuous conversation that links from episode to episode. So if you haven't already heard, checked into, caught up with episodes one, two, and three of the conversation, I highly recommend you do so. But never mind if you haven't, you can still pick up where we're starting from this week in episode four. So who is Bill? Well, Bill's a writer, editor, and curator of photography based out in New Mexico. And I'm Grant Scott, a photographer, lecturer, writer, filmmaker, and podcaster. I think it'd be fair to say that both Bill and I have got extensive uh, experience of the photographic uh, environment over a number of decades. In fact, 40 years for me. Anyway, got a lot to discuss this week. Last episode, we were talking about the photo book, the why, the where and the how. This time, we're going into a little bit more depth. We're talking about the making one of the the ways I always ex- say to people is go out there, find the photo book that you think works, that kind of has some kind of connection with the work that you're creating, and copy it, and copy its structure. Now, that may be a slightly, I can see your face is, is slightly kind of, what madness is this? And what, what do you think about that as a, as a starting point? As a starting point, I think it's great, especially if, if you have not made a photo book before. Um, yeah, look at the structure, you know, notice the pacing. Think about things like, do I want captions? Um, oh, actually, let me back up. Let me say, sit down, really spend time with that book and maybe make a list of things you like about it and maybe make a list of things you don't like about it. And that way, it's not just I like this book, but it's a little bit more concrete so that when you go back and start to make your book, you're really thinking about the, per- the particulars of it. So some reflection and some analysis. Yes. So here's a bugbear. Photo books that put photographs on the right-hand page with a blank page opposite and do that with the idea that it's a template that if you don't do that, it's not a serious photo book. I'm sorry, who says that? (laughs) I'm not sure anybody says it, but an awful lot of people do it. Well, if you can tell by my face and the tone of my voice, I I could not disagree more. Uh, The way I like to see it used is either to give a pause in the pacing or to, you know, quote unquote, force the reader to pay attention to what's going on in the opposite page. It's great when images on opposing pages speak to each other some way or further the narrative. But if there's just a, a, a photo on one page, then as a reader, I really tend, I, I tend to stop. But if I'm doing that with every turn of the page, uh, there is no pacing. Um, and that, that personally drives me up a tree. Well, you and I, as we've discussed previously, we come from an editorial background, so we understand the importance of pagination. And the idea of pagination of creating a rhythm as you go through the book. But maybe I've made a mistake and I've jumped in too far because really, I suppose what we should say is that the photo book comes from the photographs. The photographs should lead the format, the size, the whole 
kind of production of the book, that beginning of the design? You know, there's some, uh, so I 100% agree with you. And again, you know, to your first point, you may want to look at photo books that you like just on the basis of size and shape. Um, and, and, and what about that? You know, you, you like also thinking about cost if you're doing it yourself. I feel like sometimes photographers feel like what makes a great photo book is great photos. And I think it's important to say that a photo book is not a slideshow. It's, it's this separate thing. It's, it's an object that is, that is built of many parts. The photographs themselves are just one element of that. Um, you know, there is pacing. Um, there is the, the production values. Um, there is size on, on the, on the page. Um, text and captions and, and um, contextual information and, and a host of other things that I hope we can get into. But I think, I just think it's important to say that just because I have a hundred really fantastic pictures does not mean that I have a book. But isn't that, I mean, I quite often use the, the, the kind of the metaphor of writing a novel. It doesn't matter if I give you a big bag of fantastic words you're going to have to have other words in there that are linking words or going to take me from one place to another. So the construction yeah, yeah. Of, of a photo book is like the construction of a, a series of chapters or a series of paragraphs that make a chapter. And actually, you may put pictures in there which kind of are performing a function, not just a, a kind of a photographic kind of fifth bang pow. So, so I think I know what you mean by that, but maybe you can be specific about what kind of photo, you know, why would I not want to have my, every photo be the best photo? What we might perceive as a photographer to be best photographs might not be the correct or the appropriate photographs for the photo. So we could be talking about, you know, in, 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 uh, an establishing shot, right? Where, where we actually see where most of the action takes place. If it all, let's say it all takes place in a room. Great. But we may want to see where that room is in what building on what street. Right. Is that kind of what you're talking about? But what do you think? I mean, I a hundred percent agree. I think if, if every picture um, sort of screams, look at me, then you don't, you don't proceed in necessarily a, a, a narrative way. It's almost like it's coming at you too fast and too strong where you don't want to be, wow, wow, wow. You know, you need the yin and the yang or the figure in the ground. But also you want that, you know, with pagination, as, as you and I know, sometimes we might say, let's do a six or eight page article at this point. And we're just going to punctuate that with a one or two pager because we're going to change the pace. And I think that's why magazine art directors are really good at working yeah. on photo books and why graphic designers sometimes are not so good because it becomes about the visual and not the narrative. That's right. I mean, you, you, you need a breather. Um, you know, every word can't have an exclamation point after it. So, you know, nor, nor can every sentence be a run on sentence. You know, you, you need short, punctuated sentences next to something that's maybe a little bit more long, a little longer and more meandering. Yeah. And some photographs are obvious and some are a slow burn. 
Right. And I think, you know, this this touches on something that we that we that we did talk about last time, which is and that's why I believe a photographer needs an outside editor, pair of eyes, colleague, consultant, whatever it is, because sometimes those photos, when you have made them yourself, they come with their own context. You were there. You knew what was there. And, and you know, you can fall in love with your own pictures which is understandable, but you need somebody else to step in and say, let's take a breather here. And that will make, if we take a breather here, that'll make the next photograph so much more powerful. Um, you know, you and I put out a call for questions from, from our listeners. And, and I did get a question that's right on the, right on the money here. Would you mind if I uh, raise that now? No, of course, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the question is, uh, and this came in anonymously, do I get penalized by a publisher for, quote, breaking the photo book formula? Uh, and there is a photo book formula, which which I think is worth mentioning now because it has pluses and it has minuses. For me, it at this point, it has more minuses than pluses. But that formula goes goes something like this. Um, there's a foreword by a famous photographer. There's an intro, perhaps by an academic. And then, you know, maybe there's a there's an afterward. And I feel like the photo books that are exciting me most these days are ones that break that formula. But to your point, they do it with the knowledge that there is a formula that they're breaking. I think absolutely. And the most exciting books for me are always the books I come across from the 1960s and 70s that were kind of challenging everything. That idea that you've got to have uh, the forward by this, uh, da, 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 it fits into that template I was talking about earlier about this, and the photographs go on the right-hand page, and there's no captions on it. But some of the most exciting books, particularly books that have come out of Japan, for example, you know, they are full bleed, and they're kind of bursting. Well, I always think of Klein's New York book, you know, as completely breaking out of, of all formulas. And interestingly, the Americans sort of set the formula. And yet, of course, Frank's The Americans was a disaster when it came out and was was not well thought of. And Klein's was a popular success. Well, and of course, you know, Frank struggled to get that book. He, he did not get it um, published in America initially. I think it was in France. And, and then only later was it accepted um, in this in, in, in America. And it got like, to your point, it got terrible reviews. Obviously, that has gone on to become the book that every photographer knows and should know. And um, let me ask you about another aspect of the formula in particular, um, the sort of academic uh, forward sometimes going on for a couple pages by somebody who's, you know, legendary in the field or not, or an academic? Well, first of all, why is it there? It's it's there to give some kind of weight. And I kind of feel if you feel that you need to attach yourself to an academic because the work doesn't have the weight in itself, you know, we're kind of identifying either a problem with the work or a, an insecurity with the work. That's the first thing. But I've written a couple of pieces as a friend um, and both of those pieces have gone at the back of the book. I've written about my relationship with the person, try and bring some kind of insight. You know, that for me, there is nothing worse than hearing somebody tell me 
about the work. It's like, let me work it out for myself. So I feel I totally agree with you um, in terms of the, the content of the essay. I buy a photo book because I want to look at the pictures and I want to see what this person saw and I want to feel it. I find myself skipping over the introduction routinely, 99.8% of the time, going to the photo book, you know, going to the photos, reading, you know, looking at the photos, studying the photos, maybe going back to the photo, to, to the introductory essay now, or maybe the next time I look at the book. But to me, it just feels like the movie credits before the movie starts. I just want to get into the thing. And I feel, you know, with the photographers that I consult with when I help them make their books, I, I kind of nudge them to maybe put it at the back of the book, like you're suggesting. But how would you feel if that introduction, or do you feel the same about that introduction, if it's written by the photographer or if it's written by someone else? If the photographer writes, call it three paragraphs, you know, this is why I traveled around the South, um, you know, in a beat up van for this many days and, and this many states. And this is what I saw. Great. Give me the context for why we're making this book. Short, sweet, and then let me see the pictures. So listen, I know you you reached out, as you always do, to some really interesting people. Do you want to share some of their thoughts? You know, one of the things that um, you and I started to, to talk about in the last episode was what makes a successful photo book? And, and I think for the moment, let's let's put sales to the side. You know, let's put numbers to the side. That's not what I mean by successful. I mean... As, a, as an object, does this take me on a journey? You know, is it successful that way? And so I asked um, uh, Kurt Holtz, who's been the editor-in-chief at, at Presto Publishing. Um, they make some terrific photo books. He's, he's, he's responsible for the photography and architecture list. He's been doing this for over 20 years. Um, and among many, many other books, uh, Kurt edited uh, Tyler Mitchell's breakout book, I Can Make You Feel Good. Uh, from 2020. So, so I asked him a few questions um, and, and this is, uh, and, and we can pause between each to, to, to discuss if we, if we feel like it. And, and Kurt said this, and I quote, ultimately the idea behind the work, whatever it may be, needs to have a justification to be published. If the work lacks depth, it will not sustain itself. One should be able to look at a good photo book years later and still be able to draw inspiration from it. I, you know, he must have listened to the last episode. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's the great thing about this kind of uh, ongoing conversation, isn't it? I mean, we're going backwards and forwards, but that's what we were talking about. It's got to have depth. It's got to have a reason to exist. Let me ask you this, though. If, if something has a reason to exist in the year 2000, it doesn't necessarily have a reason to exist 20 years later. And yet some of those books are so timeless, you know, maybe because they captured the spirit of the time in 2020 or 1956 that, that they have the staying power. You know, I, I was just uh, looking at and, and, and writing about uh, a book that's been re-released uh, by Gordon Parks called Segregation Story. And that book sprung out of a Life magazine assignment in 1956, right, more than 50 years ago, where Parks was sent to the Jim Crow South and what he brought back 
are these images, you know, a water fountain that says whites only, um, small black children, you know, looking at white dolls, you know, uh, poverty, family, hope that feels out of reach still feels relevant today. Um, even though that many of those things, not all of them are relics from the past, the book still hits hard today. But, you know, know, history repeats itself. You know, there's a horrible cliche, but it's so um, real. I mean, I'm listening to, and I know you are as well, to Rachel Rachel Maddow's Ultra. Yes. uh, Yes. Incredible stories of American history in the 1930s and 40s. So relevant to today, uh, which is obviously why she's doing it. But, you know, that idea that those, those strong stories, it had a reason to exist then, because, in a sense, as you quite rightly say, they're timeless, and it's why we still listen to music. It can still touch us, and we still look at films from the 70s or back to the 40s and think, wow, that touches us, or the 60s, whatever it may be. So I think what we're talking about here is timeless art. So, so let me, you know, last time we talked a little bit about those books um, often by younger photographers or bodies of work by younger photographers that are very inward looking, um, that may be about uh, identity of, of, of gender or race or, or whatnot, or they, they don't have to be. They just could be inward looking. I, I'm going to throw this out there and, and um, you, you know, you and maybe some of the listeners can disagree. I wonder if those inward looking books, unless they are extraordinary, become less relevant 20, 30, or 40 years later? Is it, is it the book that looks outward that has more staying power? Well, isn't it the bigger picture rather than the smaller picture? If a book is totally focused on detail, that detail can almost kind of eat itself. And actually what you're talking about with the Parks book there and with Robert Frank's Americans and so forth, is we're talking about big pictures, big stories, um, stories of our age, of our time, which are, which are which are timeless. However, if we create a book which is all about how we feel, and this goes back to what we were talking about um, in the last episode, audience. You know, what is that audience? In 50 years' time, are people going to want to know what it was like to live in America or the UK today? I think they are. And I think there's a huge interest at the moment in the UK in British documentary photography, of particularly of the 1970s and 80s. Mm. It's kind of having a resurgence, having been ignored for years. But do we really want to know what somebody felt like in their room in, 19, uh, in 2022? Or, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's more difficult. I mean, it can yes. be done, but it's much, much harder to do really well. Yeah. Um, let me, that was a great um, sort of interstitial moment. Let me go back to the, the, the questions I asked to Kurt Holtz, uh, and we'll spiral off from, from the next one too, I hope. Um, I asked him what contributes to a book's success. And he wrote, good design treatment along with excellent production quality are key aspects for a successful photo book. Those are the basics. Then there are a lot of other aspects such as market trends, publicity, uh, innovation, et cetera, that play a big role in whether a book is successful or not. Again, I can only um, imagine that he has subscribed to the podcast 
<laughs> I, I think you know it's but you know what it's not it's not rocket science is it no you it's know. not it's not but but again you know i do think and and i have a lot of photographers who 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 come to me and 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 ask for my advice uh and help as they're making their photo books and they're like look i have a hundred amazing images and i'm like yes you do but you don't necessarily have a book as you have laid them out here and so, again, the difference between great pictures and a great book is something that I think needs more, more study and more thought. It does. Absolutely. But it, again, it goes back. And, and, you know, you, you might be a great photographer, but that doesn't make you a great publisher. It doesn't make you a great art director, designer, editor. And to think that it would. And there are people I mean, I know photographers who are really, really good at putting their work together. And I know yeah. photographers yeah. who are hopeless, you know, and, and that's fine. You know, why should they be? There's no reason why they should be super good at it. But um, I know you also, you spoke to someone else, a, a really great photographer, and, I, and I'm, I'm intrigued as to what they had to say. I did. Um, I spoke to um, Eugene Richards, and he is... Uh, a tremendous uh, documentary photographer. And, and, and if, if anybody hasn't um, seen his books, I'm trying to find mine right now. I think it's called the run of time, which is just absolutely extraordinary. Um, but you're doing that classic thing we all do, which is we have no idea where the books are. So we're, we're frantically looking around our, our offices going, I know it's here somewhere. It is here somewhere. I just moved, you know, to 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 New Mexico after, you know, 30 plus years in New York. And I'm still unpacking my photo books. I have I have uh, Gene Richards photo book somewhere. I was just looking at it anyway. He's quite celebrated. Um, and I asked him for his thoughts on the on the subject. And here's what he said. And, and this is slightly, slightly edited for length. The truth is, when you're so involved in your own book meaning you've designed the thing and written all the text, it's hard to think about whether it's successful or not when the tendency is to keep correcting and recorrecting things. Insecurity, I guess you could call it. And you can't blame anybody but yourself. Successful, he says, is a loaded term, since on one hand it implies acceptance by an audience, and acceptance seems to me comes with being recognized by critics and curators and being published by a reputable publisher. I can't, on a personal level, begin to define what books I've done that are successful, since the highest audience uh, book I've done is The Knife in the Gun Club that has garnered a less photographic audience and more a medical one. This book began with a very small press run and some bitter responses and is selling slowly and regularly all these years later. My son Sam is reminding me that what success means to me is doing what it seems I have to do. Since much of my life has been about getting to know people uh, and sharing their stories. And the last thing he says is, as far as this book, and and here I'm going to step out of his voice and say that um, uh, Gene Richards funded his new book, which is called In This Brief Life on Kickstarter. So, so that goes back to, you know, funding and, and production options that we talked about last time. It sums up what we're trying to say in a lot less words. Yeah, he's really an artist uh, in words, in pictures. Um, and in the, when you look at his books, you know, you can feel his his touch on him. And I, I really appreciate his 
his jumping in and helping us out with uh, kind of articulate all those sentiments. Yeah, big thanks to Eugene for that. But also, I think what's really interesting is to hear from a photographer as uh, as recognized as he is using the word insecurity. Yes. You know, the other thing that I like so much about his response is that he defines success in some way about the emotions he feels going through his pictures. And I, I just kind of love that. Um, you know, it's very internal, but it's so meaningful. Yeah. And but it also goes back to what we were saying again, you know, that idea of going back through the archive, that idea of having lived a life. You know, is there, I mean, I, I bought two books over the last couple of weeks. I bought the, the Soul Lighter Unseen. Yes. Because, you know, 13 Lessons with Soul Lighter still reduces me to tears. I think it is the most incredible film about a photographer that's ever been made. Uh, Thomas Leach, who made it, first ever film he made, just genius. Um, and the other book was the Chris Killer uh, retrospective. It does demonstrate um, that need for a lot of work to be able to edit it into something that, as we said earlier, sort of has a reason to exist. One of the um, questions I got from somebody, do I need to have a photo on the cover of my book? And, and I get asked that a lot with, with some of the clients I work with. And they're often surprised when I say no. But I'd love to hear what you think. Well, I, you know, <laughs> and I think that you, as so often as we talk about in these in these conversations, I think there's a UK US kind of breakdown on this. And, and my take on US books, tell me if I'm wrong, is that quite often they have images on the cover, but over here and in Europe, uh, a type only cover seems to be the go-to on the basis that it's so difficult. I think for a lot of people to either pinpoint a body of work to one image or to kind of be quite so literal as to say, hey, here's my book. So I feel the exact same way. And that, that really drives my you know um, decision. When I do think about an image on the cover, sometimes I think about a crop of an image or some, somehow uh, an abstraction so that, so that it says photo book, but you don't have to sort of sum up the entire book, you know, by one picture of a little girl or one picture of a beat up car, which I think is often, you know, may well be the best image of the book, but it may not represent the breadth of what the photographer is considering um, and what the photographer is bringing to us. And I think sometimes, you know, if someone doesn't necessarily know the photographer and how wide his or her vision is, seeing a beat up car on the cover can be limiting in a way. But what about the type only cover? Because I, I sometimes feel as it's almost like a cop out, this idea of fitting into a template for a photo book. And, and I kind of briefly spoke about that idea of a uh, picture on the right hand page, white border, uh, blank page opposite, you know, and you go through page after page and all the pictures are the same size, um, which is fine for some bodies of work, but not for all bodies of work. And that kind of book I do find often comes with a type only cover, which is great if it's with a, a really good typographer and it can be really beautiful. 
But it almost seems to me as if the idea of the image on the cover has become, oh, but that's mass market. I, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. I don't do that. But at the same time, it can be a really good idea, especially if that book's going to sit on a bookshelf in a museum or a gallery space, and you want people to pick it up. Well, so so here I think we get into a little bit of the the fork in the road that that we talked about last time, which is who's the audience for the book. If the book is going to be on a bookshelf, which you know I would have to say fewer and fewer books are getting sold on bookshelves these days, um, then yes, I agree with you. You know, you have to catch the eye of the person walking by, and a type cover has to be really special to do that or be associated with, uh, you know, an artist with one name who, 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 you know, immediately. But I think since most books now are being sold, maybe through social media, you know, um, or through reviews or whatever, that I, I, I don't know that the cover needs to be what it once was. I, I'm, I'm holding up a, a small book here and it's by, uh, Leah Francis and it's called lunch poems. And, uh, Leah, uh, drove around some parts of the Northeast, mainly Pennsylvania, New Jersey, during COVID and the Trump years, and shot diners, diners and taverns. And there, there, it's it's a it's a it's a lovely little book. And on the cover, it's a photo book. On the cover, she has what, what do you call this? A, a, a little coaster. Um, yeah, a napkin coaster. A, a napkin, uh, you know that that you would find in a diner or put your drink on in a bar, and it, and it has the title of the book. And um, and her name. And I think that works really well. I think it's a nice graphic touch, which we haven't talked about. Not a photo. It's not just type. But there's a graphic there, which sort of gives you a feel for what's inside the book. The idea of the clever graphic can often be a really great way of kind of giving the book an identity. I can think of a number of books. There's one particular book by Martin Amis about uh, shops that have closed down. And the cover of the book is a uh, a key a mm. keyhole kind of graphic, which which works really really well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of challenge you on on the importance of the cover because you're absolutely right. You know we don't necessarily buy uh, books from bookstores in that way anymore that they're kind of facing. However, um, one of my favourite places to 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 look at photo books is photobookstore.co.uk. It's a fantastic um, online bookstore. What's fantastic about it is they put up a little film of every single book where they flick through the pages so you can see it there. But also they'll show you some sample spreads from the book. However, the cover is the thumbnail that you scroll through. And I always click on the covers that I think look interesting, particularly if it's a, a photographer or a book I'm not aware of. It's the cover that draws me in. What you're describing is a newsstand. Um, yeah. You know, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see that um, and, and I feel that. I, I do want to see your challenge and counter with another example. Um, and this is... One of my favorite books um, from the last two years, Thames and Hudson published this book called American Geography by Matt Black. And I can talk about this book for a half an hour. The cover, which I'm holding up to you. Uh, so his name is Matt Black. The cover is all black. 
it's all type. The cover is black. The type is black, but slightly shiny. And for me, this is a really intriguing. Um, it's a it's an intriguing cover, but also it tips to one of the reasons why I think this book is so special because it's surprising. It's not just, you know, Matt Black is a documentarian and the book could easily have been documentary photo, documentary, documentary photo. Instead, there are these great interstitial moments. There are maps. Um, The designer has done this nice little type treatment here and there. And you you sort of never know what's going to come on the next spread. And I think with this cover, which is surprising, he gives us a sense of what we can expect experientially from a book like this, if not literally. But also, I think that as a cover, it really, and in a way, I think it references Robert Frank's The Americans, because it's sort of saying, well, you know, Frank was saying, America isn't the land of milk and honey. It isn't this kind of technicolor world that it's being presented at. And I think Matt Black's, the cover of that book, and I agree with you, I love that book. I have that book also. But it, it's it's kind of playing with the idea of America is black at the minute. Oh. In, in, its tone, in, in its kind of um, like a black cloud. Being yes. over. You know, like there's this kind of black moment. There's a kind of a black feeling around and the fact that he's called black even works even better you know but i think that that really is a fantastic example of something we spoke about uh previously that idea of creating something that's not only appropriate to the work but is appropriate to what the photographer feels so it becomes an emotional spiritual kind of experience it's not purely a visual one it's also intellectual yes Totally agree. I want to mention one other book and one other cover that I love, if that's okay. And it's uh, another one of my favorite books um, from the last couple of years called Encampment, Wyoming. It's from uh, FW Books, which I think is in um, in the Netherlands. And I would urge everybody to get this book. It's 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 by uh, Laura Webb Nichols, who is a who was a photographer um, sort of just after the turn of the century who shot in this tiny town of Wyoming and her photographs are super intimate. Also, there were not a lot of female photographers then. Um, so she, she's allowed in where other photographers, you know, wouldn't be. And the cover of the book is it's, it's this beautiful gray textured cover. And the photo of the book is a woman on a crutch with a cat sort of jumping up in the air. And it's a truly surprising image in part because it's an old image and it, and it just to me sets the tone of like i don't know what i'm going to get in this book and that thrills me we must have the same bookshelves i love that book um but what i find really interesting is, is that's a, for me from a uh, from a design perspective that's a packaging trick because actually what they've done is they've taken this victorian edwardian photography and they've kind of made it relevant to today through the design because it could very easily have come out as a, a kind of a, a fusty old kind of designed book and and not made the connections with the modern audience that actually it has made. Um, and this grant is why I love talking with you. 
I would not have thought of that. And I just think that is such a great point. It is so modern. And I, I appreciate you uh, bringing that that insight. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the book even more now. Thank you. So again, it goes back to that thing of collaborating with somebody who understands design language so that they can reference design language from the past, but also make it relevant for the, for the present. So it's just like a photographer really understanding the history of the medium. If you're working with a team that understands the history of photo book publishing, then they can bring that other thing, which might be a little bit niche. You know, not everyone's going to pick up on it. But actually, at the same time, those who do go, yeah, that's clever. Yeah. And again, you know, that's why bringing in other people to your photo book process can be so helpful. Um, because I do think that Laura Webb Nichols, 100 year old photographs are elevated with with those design touches. Yeah. What do you think about yeah. the title of a book? And when do you think a photographer should start thinking about it? Oh, what a great question. I think a title actually is important. I'm trying to think of it, what another title for the Americans could be. You know, for me, the Americans is the perfect title. Um, and I don't know that the book would be judged the same way if it was called 17,000 Miles Across America or, or something else. So I, I happen to think a title is very important. It's not the make or break thing, but I do think it also helps focus the artist as they go about making the book. Quite often, the title of the book can be quite abstract and, and again, quite sort of introspective. Do you think that's a problem? I do. I'm trying to, if you have an example, I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, hear, hear what you have in mind. But I think, you know, there, there was a moment in American literature where the titles of short stories were very oblique and, you know, catchy in a way, but also, you know, I'm not sure that works in a photo book quite as well. It has to be very, very good. I, I used to play a game, which was, um, is this the title of a book or is this four words I've just put together? You know, is this the title of a photo book or is this the title of a novel? One thing I, I would recommend for photographers to do as they're coming up with their title is to write an imaginary subline. Uh, so, you know, what we used to call in the magazine business, a, a deck or a cell line that sort of gives more detail um, to what's going to be in the story or the book. Now that will probably never appear on the book itself, but again, I think it helps, um, focus, focus the project. I'm looking at my bookshelf and I'm seeing a, a couple of titles that I really like, uh, and they're maybe a little odd or, um, you know, a great book by David Goldblatt called some Afrikaners photographed. So simple. I know exactly what's in it. Um, but there's something knowing about it and and humble about it that I really like. Yeah, what it's like kind of if it, if it's a tin of beans, call it a tin of beans. Right. There's another one by the photographer John Cohen called Speed Bumps on a Dirt Road. Uh, you know, when he goes into uh, Appalachia in, 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 in the United States and photographs, um, you know, old timey musicians in, in the 50s and that's such an evocative title. Um, you sort of know what you're going to get. You can almost visualize it just from the title. Love it. When we started this conversation, you know, 
I don't know where it was going to go. And we don't know where it's going to go from here. But I certainly didn't expect us to spend three episodes on this. But it's obviously, it's a rich source of investigation and reflection and discussion without doubt. Um, but do you think we can come to any conclusions? Or have we come to any conclusions about the photo book, do you think? I mean, I guess I would I would hope that after listening to this, listeners and photographers might not be so ready or so primed to necessarily make a photo book. We're putting people off. Well, yeah, but that might be a good thing at this moment. It, yeah. it may not be the same thing forevermore, but I think there's a photo book formula that I believe needs to be broken. Um, that may be in terms of the size of the book. It may be about how the book proceeds page by page, but it might also be, maybe it's not a book that we need. And I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's projections on walls. I'm not sure. But I think, I think people need to poke and prod and not accept it as dogma or religion that a photo book is the next step in their career. Absolutely right. And I, and, and, you know, I don't want to be the situation where we're trying to kind of kill people's dreams or, or kind of stamp on their dreams, because I think a lot of people get very kind of hung up on the fact that I must have a photo book. I must have a photo book. I'm not a serious photographer until I have a photo book. But as we discussed in, in the beginning of this, this kind of part of the conversation, um, this is a relatively new kind of a, an idea that you need to have this thing. Um, and we've spoken a lot about the need for collaboration, but also for audience, uh, you know, in the making. And so there's, I think, far more considerations around the making of the photo book than just the desire because you want one. Yeah. You know, I do want to say this, too, um, in, in case I or we are coming off a little too negative about this. But I was approached, um, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago by a terrific photographer. He's actually a doctor first. And he brought photos to me that were absolutely extraordinary. Uh, they could have, you know, they, they, they could have been in life. And Immediate, and he said, what do you think of these? And I said, it's a book. And, you know, we're off to the races making this book. And I think it's going to be terrific. And so I just want to say that there's still an extraordinary place for books. And, and, and there's still an extraordinary potential with books. I just don't want people, to your point, to feel like if they don't make a book and a big book and a glossy book, that somehow they have not you know, reach some, reach for some brass ring. You know, you're right. I mean, you and I could not be more passionate about photo books. We cannot be more passionate about photography. Um, you know, we spend our time, I suppose, promoting and being evangelical about it. But at the same time, you've got to have a hardcore sense of realism to that. And I suppose in a way, our role occasionally is to bring that realism to people. And I always say, you know, other opinions are available. And, you know, we, we've shot the breeze over these last few episodes around the photo book before we move on with the conversation to other areas. But it's come from a good place. Absolutely. I want 
photographers to make fantastic photo books. I don't want them to beat themselves up if it doesn't come to pass in a way that they expected. Yeah, well, you know, we started off talking about expectations, didn't we? And um, that's really what we're talking about here, I suppose, is, um, as always, with everything, don't have unrealistic expectations because you're, you're really putting yourself in a dangerous position. Yeah, exactly. And I also want to say maybe this is a good time, speaking of, of getting feedback uh, and, and, and being poked at, at, at um, uh, expectations. Um, I would love to hear what our listeners feel about some of the thoughts that we bounce back and forth on, on today's episode. And if there are any other questions, I hope they, uh, I hope they hit us up. Yeah, absolutely. As always, you can get us through the uh, website and you can get us through different social media channels. Uh, Bill and I are working on a few kind of interesting uh, kind of initiatives, one of which on Substack. You might want to check us out, UN of Photo, the conversation on Substack. We're all, we've already got quite a lot of people following us there. Um, so um, that will be something that will grow as well. Listen, Bill, as always, it's been <laughs> it's a, been a joy and a pleasure. And this photo book thing, it's given us a lot to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to it. Um, but I'm looking forward to whatever we talk about next. Yeah. Who knows what that will be in the meantime. Take care. My apologies for a few of the sound gremlins we had on this episode on the zoom call. I hope it didn't uh, ruin your enjoyment. I'm definitely going to have to sort that out for our future conversations. Anyway, as I said to Bill, please, Take care.